Hello everybody, welcome to the Football Chronicles. Today, as every week, is Sebastian Garcia. With me today is Edgar Ramirez. Hey. And Justin Neal. Like this week. Yes. Hey, Justin. Good to have you. Thanks. How are you, you. man? Great. So we have a lot of topics to talk about today. We're going to mainly focus on the friendlies. That was basically the only source of soccer we had this past weekend. You, you, you don't sound very happy about that. It's, it's just depressing because my only source <laughs> of soccer was either the friendlies or the Colombian league, which is not really exciting. <laughs> some, it's like some of the matches are really not. Oh, right hey, now. do you know if... Uh, uh, la, what is it? E Equidad? What was Equidad, the team? Yeah. Yeah, did, yeah. did they win? No, they lost. They lost against uh, uh, Independiente Medellín, and now they are not. They have been unbeaten, no, so. no longer unbeaten. So no, I mean, no we were unbeaten. we were keeping count of that last week. They they had spent seven games unbeaten uh, and no goals against, right, Sebas? Yeah, no goals against and twenty one points out of twenty one possible points. That is, I mean, that was crazy. But now it came to an end. I mean, maybe it was because we mentioned it and they got scared. Yeah, probably we jinxed it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fun. But uh, but besides that, I don't know, another thing that, I mean, we, I, the good thing was to see, like, you know, like our national teams playing, that's always exciting. I was excited to see Colombia after, you know, like all, all what happened and see where... Like where where was the team like standing like how they were doing, but Justin, do you do you want to talk about like what you saw from the U.S. from the South? Oh of the yeah, US? I'm waving my red, white, and blue striped flag uh, because I'm <laughs> I'm very happy with the, a one nil defeat uh, to Mexico yesterday. That was a fun game, a little bit chippy as every U.S. Mexico game is, even though it's a friendly. There's no, never really a friendly game between the two of us. Um, and I was very happy with what I saw, especially in the second half of that Mexico game. Um, so the U.S. is in a weird state right now. Um, just the country in general. But <laughs> <laughs> You mean it? Uh, hurricane Trump, Trump the yeah, real hurricane coming your way. All the things. <laughs> but <laughs> that's just, I just thought about that. As I said, like, that's a... Uh, really true about everything, but <laughs> spe specifically with the national team, um, as you know, didn't qualify uh, in 2018 Russia. So really since October of last year, for almost a whole year, we've had an interim coach. We've kind of tried to wait it out and see what are we going to do? How are we going to plan for the next four years, the next cycle? And with these recently retiring players like Clint Dempsey, you know, Landon Donovan not that long ago, Jermaine Jones just recently as well. I mean, it's time to start thinking about the future. It's time to start thinking about what is this team going to look like in 2022 when we try to qualify for the World Cup of Qatar. So, right. To, and this is really the, the Brazil game and this Mexico game were the first two games that, you know, you really got to see that post-World Cup, new team, you know, and, and for this uh, series of friendlies, Christian Pulisic wasn't a part of the, the call-up because he's, you know, he's banged up a little bit. Oh, that, that's why I was, because I was really surprised to see that, that yeah. he was not in the roster when he is uh, the future, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's the center, center point of what's going to happen with the U.S. soccer team moving forward. Um, but yeah, he, he wasn't called up um, due to injury. Um, 
So he's not playing for Brush Dortmund right now either, because he's out. Oh wow! Uh, I had yeah. no idea. Yep. Yeah. So you know, not not great, but we got a chance to see some other players step up, and I would say just kind of a general feeling for both games. So the Brazil game, expectations are pretty low because you know it's going to be a lot of really young kids playing on the the big stage right. for the first time. And Brazil brought their, you know, A squad. They brought Neymar, they brought <laughs> Firmino, they brought Willian, they brought, you know, their World Cup team. So they they controlled that game almost entirely. I mean, they came out. The U.S. kind of tried to press them at first, but you could tell pretty clearly that the lack of experience and lack of skill um, at that level was just not there. And Brazil pretty much just held possession and held the ball and drew a good penalty, scored, and, you know, had a couple of nice goals but it was good to to get the experience to get kind of the exposure at that level to play against players that are at the top of their game you know um for one of the best teams in the world um yeah can't can't say i was surprised with the result and you know they didn't really generate much in attack didn't really generate much um any scoring opportunities you know the defenders miazga and, and brooks played well um so you know, it's all where you can ask is is, is I, getting a Yeah, game. I I I watched that game. Um I have to say I was surprised because I you know, th- like you said, there's a lot of very young people in the US squad. Um yeah. but you know, and, and obviously Brazil is just technically much better a much better team. Um very much put, very well put together as well. Um so but I, I was very surprised with the attitude of the of the American players. Um I really, like I saw Jetlin, you know, not let not get intimidated by by Neymar uh, or or anyone else to that point. No, and yeah, yeah. So I, I I appreciated that because you know when you clearly know that you're getting outplayed by the other team, you kind of need to uh, use your other strengths. Uh, you know, personality comes into play. Not if you're gonna lose, you know, don't lose by five. Like some other game we're gonna talk about later. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I, I, I actually appreciated that. I mean, you know, I mean, again, rooting from Peru, rooting, you know, for Peru, having lost so many times, I appreciate the attitude when you're being outplayed and, you know, that's just going to happen if you're, if you're playing a team like Brazil. So, yeah, and DeAndre Edlin is one of the few players that were called up for this year's of games that obviously has experience on the right. national team stage. He's played in the World Cup, he's playing in England, so he knows what it's like to play against the world-class competition. So you could tell he wasn't going to back down. And he, I think he's starting to embrace his role on the team now as kind yep. of a, like weirdly, because when he played for the U.S. in 2014, he was like the youngest player on the team, and he was kind of green, well, besides Julian Green, um, who also stepped up in the second game. But I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but, yeah, he's kind of now a leader and now a player that the other players are going to lean on and say, hey, look, what is DeAndre doing? How does he respond in this situation? How right. can I kind of feed off of that? So players like Weston McKinney and Tim Weah and... Uh, Josh Sargent. I mean, this is just helping them in getting better. And really, you're looking at a, a four-year process. It's going to take some time for them to get used to playing at that level. And the Brazil right. game is a good chance to kind of get a taste. And then the Mexico game was, oh, man. <laughs> the Mexico game. <laughs> yeah. That was a really just a chippy, you know, back and forth. Uh, you know, the, the Mexican side, I was surprised that they came out with a lot of young players, too. They, you know, they, they seem to be in a kind of a transition state as well, um, a true learning experience at this point. Um, 
you know, did you notice that too when you watched Edgar that they had a lot of young players and yeah, kind of yeah, they they did. In fact, what was funny is that I was gonna watch the Mexico U.S. game, but then I I knew the U.S. was gonna play with young people. But I remember that in the last game, you know, uh, Bra- Brazil Mexico, I think it was. Yeah. Whomever whomever Mexico played last, they played with their with their um, with that was with Mexico, their actual. Uruguay. Oh, that was a fun game too. We should talk about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, no, I, whomever Mexico played before, I, f- I forget who it was right now. They played with with their main team, so I was expecting that, but I didn't get that. So I watched, I saw the roster, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna watch the Colombia Argentina <laughs> instead of the Mexico US." Yeah. Um, and I don't regret it. I mean, the Mexico. Sorry, the, the Colombia Argentina was a pretty good game uh, as well, and we'll talk about that a little later. Um, I yeah, I didn't watch that game, so I don't I don't know what happened. I, I mean, I saw the outcome that apparently some player was mean to another player, and then someone else was mean to it. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. Mexico definitely has to do a lot of work because you know, like their main stars are getting older. And they don't have any like stars or any players coming up, like you know. Uh, so they have to start working hard on making new players because definitely, you know, they can't. Their team cannot depend anymore from Joanny dos Santos and his brother. Carnavela, yeah, yeah. Those right. guys are from a past generation, right. so they really have to start working on. I mean, it's good that they're trying at least to do something. Right. But, I agree. Uh, and and I heard this phrase before, but I you know hear it again every World Cup, and that the World Cup is a young man's game, um, and I mean it definitely seemed to be the case you know in the last World Cup we saw yeah, right, and Tell the teams, teams, <laughs> right ex- exactly yeah. I mean and that French team is really really young uh, just oh, in yeah. general yeah. so. Uh, you know, if, if you can have, you know, all these new pieces joining your team, um, then, you know, it just makes it stronger. Um, I, I don't know, Justin, what did you think about the U.S.-Mexico game in general? So, I would say for the first about 30, 40 minutes, the U.S. looked kind of out of place. Like, the way they they uh, set up was a weird, kind of weird formation that the players didn't really play in the role that they, they should have. Like, you know, it was five players in the midfield. Four of them were kind of between like the six and eight positions and Tim Way was playing as a winger which really he's a he's a center forward he shouldn't be playing as a wing I saw that to the left and, right yeah like I, don't, I was like why why is he yeah. there he's not really a winger type. <laughs> um and the the fullbacks you know Yedo didn't start it was Eric Lisa Leakage and Shaq Moore who they're okay but neither of them is really like first team quality strong yeah. Um, and then when Wes McKinney got hurt, then they put Julian Green in, right, to play as a kind of a number as a 10. midfielder? Wow. Yeah, as a midfielder. And actually, that was the best thing that they could have done because really? when Julian hmm. Green was playing that number 10 spot, he dropped back and would draw a defender, and that's how, you know, Mexico started to kind of lose their shape, and Miazga started to kind of get into the heads of uh, the Mexican players, and they... He drew a penalty right beginning uh, second half and uh, or middle second half and then uh, they had that run with a great cross and then Tyler Adams with the the finish um, you know when Mexico was down to ten men that's that's great it's all you can ask for um, the substitutions really made the impact for the U S in this game so that's good to see good coaching good adjustment good stepping up by the players in a huge game you know it means a lot to the U S so I'm right. happy with with what uh, what happened last night. 
what did you think of the that uh, American player? I forget his name right now. Um, and I don't want to talk about this for long. I just thought it was funny that the only outcome I saw of that game was this, you know, GIF and picture or GIF and picture of that American player calling that other player, Mexican player, short. Short. Yeah, that was Matt Miazga. Center, yeah. center back. Hey, man, you need a guy like that on your team to kind of get in the other the other team's head to, to mess with them and to kind of, you know, I think every good team has a player that you're like, oh, man, I don't want to mess with that guy because he's going to come back at me. And I think yeah. it's good to have, especially a center defender, you know, supposed to be a, a tough guy, right? Like, Making tough yeah, tackles I, and, I, I, I agree. Know, I, I just didn't get. I just didn't get why it was such a big deal. Um, like, I mean, it's kind of funny and kind of dumb because then you watch the, you know, like yeah, he calls him short, and then there's this other Mexican guy that is, you know, as tall or taller than him. Yeah. <laughs> that I know. Wait, 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 but, but I do understand. What was the what was the problem? Like, a, an American player called a Mexican player short. Yeah. You have not seen this? No. <laughs> it's all over the internet. It was really so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, Justin, maybe you can tell it better. Basically, like he wins a ball. Like there's a ball played deep in the U.S. half. Miazga wins control, and then uh, he gets fouled, and then they kind of uh, tussle, and then Miazga kind of puts his hand like to where the guy's head is which is about five inches below his head <laughs> and he just kind of taunts him for being short basically That's yeah so you, you should see the picture it's kind of hilarious yeah but then right after that this you know this other mexican guy comes and he's like yeah what the hell and, and that he, other guy found a yeah. guy got a red card yeah down much to man, and five minutes later u.s scores you know yeah he just seen what was any of that player that was he was debating himself in, in in which team to play. He was decide, like take, like deciding either to play in the U.S. or in Mexico, and at the end he chose Mexico. Who's that? Yeah, player? yeah, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Um, I was just reading about him actually. Uh, R- Roll done? No. I have to no. look him up. But I, anyhow, I like this player, like I think he was born here, but had like a. Mexican citizenship somehow and for a long time both like national teams were like confronting Gonzalez. themselves like saying yeah Jonathan Gonzalez yeah he chose Mexico Jonathan Gonzalez the there you go yep he's a dual citizen chose yeah he's chosen this was back in like January I think that he chose oh. Mexico um, yeah but I think this was like the first time he was like in the in the field against the US. yes first time so I think that, that's US. why like yep. the big deal it was because of that that's right. Did, did did he do anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, they lost Edgar. <laughs> but that doesn't mean he didn't do anything. Well, he, he didn't play probably. actually. He's oh. Been, he. Uh, oh, he didn't play. I think he's, he was on the bench. Yeah. Oh. Does he play? Does he play in the U.S.? No, he plays in Mexico. I think he plays in. Yeah, he plays for a Mexico Mo- team. In Monterrey or something like that. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I. So. What I find interesting about the United States team is that, um, they have all of these young players. You know, we've talked about this for I think the last few episodes. All of these young players playing in Europe. That I mean, they called several of them uh, for this squad, but they have no coach. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, if you have many, no coach, many the, the, of the teams but, didn't have a coach in these in these friendlies because the but, guys didn't but have a coach. Us, 
They so just hasn't had a coach for a long time now. Well, like I just said, it's been a, it's been over a almost a year. I mean, that's a long time. Bruce yeah, Arena that's crazy. Resigned after we didn't win, make the make the World Cup, and that was October of last year. So it's been right. almost twelve months, and we still are looking for a coach. Dave Sarshan um, has been in the role of the interim coach. Um, but that's like so much time wasted. Like no planning, you know, no like putting. I, yeah. Uh, like the set, like the you know project projects and processes together, so you can get a squad ready for the next World Cup, uh, or to even qualify to the next World Cup. I, so I that is like a massive red flag, and it's not the same with Colombia Sevens because you guys just lost your coach. Um, yeah, and also I think that well, but the thing is also that they, in the here in North America they don't have to worry about like the like the you know they only have to worry about playing Mexico in the. In that, like, uh, CONCACAF Cup, right? But yeah. they but they didn't make it to the last World Cup. I mean, I think they should worry this time. I yeah, they should worry, definitely. Yeah. Honestly, and, like, this is kind of just reality, I think if we were in another country, this would be an outrage, honestly. Yeah. It would be crazy. Yeah. Like, what is yeah. the U.S. doing? But since we're in the U.S., and soccer kind of takes less precedence than some other sports, and it just isn't as high profile, right? Like, yeah, it, it's not as big of a deal yet i mean i think a decision's got to come before the end of 2018 that's what they were we were told so i mean that but also but but i think for example in in south america we worry about having a coach like right there almost of the times with the team because we have to play the copa america and then right after that we're constantly playing the qualifiers which are extremely tough right and then we have to play if we if we qualify to the world cup but i think the u.s Technically, you only have to worry about the qualifiers, you know, like that's the main thing you have to worry about because you guys don't play anything like Copa America or something like that. The only one, the only cup you guys play is like the CONCACAF the Cup, gold, I think. The Gold Cup. The Gold Cup, cup. Yep. which is normally you guys against Mexico in the finals, like yeah, 90% of the time. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, like, the, and that tournament is probably, you have to face probably like three to four matches at the most like really like tough right. but in the you know like let's say like and not, not that many people pay attention to that either you know like as probably the qualifiers do no the so. gold cup is kind of a second tier tournament we don't, no one really takes it seriously we had a chance to make the 2019 Copa america but we failed so yeah yeah but I, I, you know what I heard? I heard that they they are planning to make another Copa America right after the one in Brazil. Yeah, there's supposed to be one in 2020 that is gonna we're gonna try to host in the U.S. Yeah, again in the U.S. So yeah. that that will be exciting if they do that. That'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be that give us yeah. a tournament to prep for and to kind of feel out our team, you know, with the two year mark and yeah, that would be good because and I think once I mean now the World Cup's over, we have. We know that in four years we're, we're trying to qualify, you know, start qualifying for that World Cup soon. But if we have another tournament in between that we can say, here's our date, here's our, you know, here's what we need to prepare for in the short term, then we can put a better plan in place and, like, actually hire a coach and say, all right, here's your goal. Win this tournament yeah. or finish well in this tournament, right? It's just the pressure's not there, unfortunately. Yeah, but I think eventually will be. I think, uh, I think probably in the future, like, there's gonna be just one Copa America for the whole thing, you know, and yeah. the U.S. and Mexico and all the teams are gonna be there, which for and me never win it, and they will never win it. 
<laughs> I don't know, but at least that makes sense because you know they have to comp- they can compete against Argentina, Brazil, right. you know, like because it is hard for Mexico and the US to be internationally competitive if you are only facing like Jamaica, Canada, right. your like, things like region. that. Right. I know. Yeah. yeah. That's that's kind of the knock on on the, the region the, as a whole is you have two teams that you expect to be competitive and the rest of them are just kind of, you know, not there. Yeah. yeah, not. <laughs> yeah. Well, and no, you I, know, we I, I, we saw I that saw... with Brazil beating yeah. El Salvador five zero yesterday. It was it was just sad to watch. Yeah, yeah. And I also like long many years ago, I went to Panama with my school, and we went to see the Central American Cup. And I think I saw Belize against. I think it was Honduras. Oh my god, <laughs> that was just like the worst. <laughs> you know, and uh, there there are a lot of teams like that because I think like the North American, like the Concacaf, the Concacaf has about like thirty four, thirty two teams. So there are like three to four teams that are really competitive, and then you have twenty eight, twenty nine that are not like <laughs> right there. But yeah, anyhow, yeah. they they yeah. should create they should create like a little maybe like a islands tournament, and then one of them has like a you know, half of a spot to play against, like a playoff with like the real, you know, like a like a bigger tournament. Costa Rica's been stepped up lately. They've been competitive, but you're right. Essentially, it's U.S., Costa Rica, Mexico. And maybe Panama. Maybe. Well, yeah. they beat you guys last time, so. Yeah. <laughs> I know it still hurts. No, but they didn't beat the U.S. The U.S. won, but the no, U.S. But had I, to I, win against. Uh, I, I know. Trinidad. I mean, they, and yeah. they didn't qualify. Yeah, yeah, they we didn't lost qualify. to Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna keep doing that. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Justin. That's how. It is. Just <laughs> but then yeah. the next, the next friendly, uh, the the next um, um, friendly of the U.S. is against Colombia. So we're gonna have right. plenty Ooh, to talk actually, about. We have a couple of really good friendlies coming up. Yeah, we get to play uh, Colombia, we get to play Peru, we get to play England and Ireland. Wait, so so, so are we going to hate each other now because we're going to play the U.S.? All right, so Thursday, October 16th, we play Peru. Circle yes. that date, and then we have to have a reaction podcast on Friday. Oh, for sure. That is going to be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, that's going to be awesome. And I, you know, if you guys play with kids again, we are going to destroy you. <laughs> yeah, all right. No, I, I promise you. I mean, I hope so. I'd be really embarrassed if we don't. So. Yeah, I don't know, Edgar. Don't, don't hey. say it in public, maybe. Yeah, seriously. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't. Scratch yeah. that. Edit that out. I wouldn't put anything, yeah, anything past anything. No, right th- that's true because I did like how you guys, even though you lost, I thought you did what you could against Brazil. And, and you know, it, it was, admire, at least on my side, I, I can admire and appreciate that. Yeah. Give them another game against a good team, Colombia. Yeah. Let them see how they, how that goes, and then you never know. I mean, then then they go play England and Italy. I mean, so oh, damn. the rest of this year is going to yeah. be good for the U.S. I think, and then hopefully by then we'll have a coach, we'll have a direction, we'll have a you know a little more stability. Yeah, you guys need a coach ASAP. Yeah, I yeah. Agree. I agree with that though. Okay, well moving. So playing against Colombia. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, we Colombia. Uh, played also this weekend. We played against Venezuela, 
which is our arch nemesis. <laughs> Even though they are not such a great team, they always manage to give us headaches. And we they score early in the match, and Colombia managed to, you know, like Colombia kind of like got mad, and then they started to like you know like to be super offensive against Venezuela, like moving like you know Falcao and all the players trying to score, and at the end in the second half Falcao scored the the goal. Then they had uh, numerous chances to score another one. And then later on, uh, Jimmy Chara scored. Jimmy, at my mi- favorite player. Minute, minute 90. Wow. Minute, yeah. Jimmy so, Chara? Jimmy Chara, yeah. And who else scored? Falcao? Falcao. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Falcao, I think right now, is like the... Well, he was already, but I think uh, he's the top goal scorer of the Colombian team. Ever, right? So, ever, yeah. So he has a bunch of goals right now. I think over thirty. Wow. And he's, yeah. he's you guys as Clint Dempsey, basically. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more or less. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Sorry, I had to. Yeah. That's hilarious. But uh, I, well, Falcao, I think is like in like he's in the down of his career right now. I don't think he's in his yeah. prime anymore. So yeah. it's a good thing and a bad thing. The bad thing is that he's getting older, and you can tell that he cannot like perform as he used to. Mm-hmm. But the good thing is that you see that the guy doesn't care. So he's not worried or stressed. So he pl- right. he plays really well. I think in the in against Venezuela he played really well. I think in the in the other one against Argentina he didn't do as as expected but you know like I mean like uh, I, I think against Venezuela was a good result they played in Miami in the Hard Rock Cafe Stadium or whatever I, I've, I've been there yeah I've been to that that's where Peru played Croatia before the World Cup right yeah oh yeah, yeah. That, that that's it's a pretty nice stadium it's where the Dolphins it, play yeah I, I don't know what that is no I'm kidding um, it's the other football yeah. the one <laughs> the, the American football. version well, they want to play with your hands. Yep. Um, <laughs> but it's a foot long. That's why I call it foot No, I, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, Sebas, did Venezuela play yes. with, like, Salomón Rondón and, uh, you know, their main players or young players? No, they play with their main team. With okay. Rondón, with Farinés. Right, with... with uh, uh, what is that guy's Rincon. name? Did yeah. Cuadrado play? Cuadrado played for the Colombian team. Yeah. I know, yeah, yeah, he played against that. He played against um, Argentina for sure. I saw him. Yeah, because the strategy of Colombia was to bring most of the like the main players, uh, you know, of the main team, mm-hmm. and through the match to change for youth players. Yep, that's what we did too. Yeah, I think that was a good strategy because you don't want to put a bunch of like right young players to play against a professional team, and then maybe they they lost, and then they get demotivated. So you know, and also it's a good. It's a good way to, for them to learn how, like, to interact with like older players to learn also. So, I don't know. I think it was good. Um, yeah, but they brought like Curibe and Borja, and all those were ben- kind of, like, Benedetti too. Benedetti. But yeah, I think the the, the match against Venezuela was was okay. I mean, I mean uh, the one against Argentina was a little bit more surprising. It was intense. It was intense. They got a lot of like faults from both teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Argentina. 
You know, it's a, it's a tough team, Argentina, anyway. They brought a mixed lineup as well. Uh, the, because they brought, like, for example, like Icardi. Yeah, and Dybala. Dybala, Tagliafico, like Armani, for instance. So they brought, like, some good players, but also they brought some that I had no idea where they played, I guess. They, they, brought, they brought what may become their main, their, their, their main team. I mean, maybe they will still call Messi and maybe a few others, like Di Maria, maybe. Uh, but I have to say, Sebas, I, I hadn't seen this Argentina play. Like, the last time I saw Argentina play was in the World Cup. And to me, that Argentina in the World Cup was like an utter disaster. Um, their defense was horrible. Yes. Um, like, just sad. Yeah. Uh, and this Argentina that I saw play against Colombia, I was so surprised by. Because, I mean, like, they made Falcao go all the way, like, to the mid- midfield. Um, and they wouldn't let him out. I mean, they were they defended really well. And they, they played... I mean, both teams played well. Um, so, yeah. I, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to point that out. That I, I, this Argentina felt more like a team... Um, a little better put together, defending better. You know, it wasn't perfect. They still like made mistakes and everything, but it it definitely felt m- a little more secure in the back than the disaster I saw in the World Cup. Yeah, I agree Again, with that. Me. I mean, they just started really hard. Like they just started yeah. like putting Colombia like like yeah, against the defense mode. They had like what, they were getting three, really four close. shots. Yeah, they had like three, four shots in the first fifteen minutes, right? Yeah, and they didn't let Colombia go for like far. You know, like they couldn't yeah. like get. I think they only like shot once to the in the first half. To, yeah, in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. I then saw after that. this, in the second half, Colombia reacted better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, like one thing that I don't understand in Colombia is like, uh, you know, Carlos Baca is definitely not getting. He, he's definitely getting old, but also I don't think he has the physical stamina to be, be mm. in the national team anymore. He seems like very out of shape. He's still in Villarreal, right? Or where yeah, is he? Yeah, but uh, yeah, he he yeah he was sold from Milan to Villarreal. Okay. But he seems so in shape. He's like me running, but I'm not a football player. <laughs> You're a smoker too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to that's okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think like he. Like definitely, we need a, a replacement. Well, there's that guy. there's that kid, um, Borja, I think is his name. Plays for Flamengo, if if I remember correctly. Yeah, we there's have a- different players. El Cucho Hernandez as well can be a, an option in the future. He was not called this time, but maybe eventually. I think uh, I think I was very happy about this team. I, I think like yeah. the replacements, like Nicolas Benedetti and Sebastian Villa, did a good job. You know, like. Uh, they're very young players. So I think we have so, like some players. The only thing that got me kind of sad is Arias. Because he... Santi, Santi, yeah. Santiago Arias he apparently got injured as well. And now he's going to be out of the... He's going to be out of the... Yeah, out of like the soccer for I think a month or so. He's oui. going he's gonna to have to record. And that's actually... Funny. Yeah, sorry, it's funny because it. every time we, we play friendlies or matches, we send... All the players to, to, uh, to back to Atletico and Madrid broken, so I think they're not very happy because we did the same thing with Falcao once and with Amaranto Perea. So <laughs> and with uh, Jackson, Jackson also got injured once. So he played the four player and uh, gets he injured. Got, he got injured in in the game in in the friendly. He got injured in the match against Venezuela. Oh wait, that sucks. Yeah, so he couldn't play the second one. And he but, hasn't uh, he hasn't been playing much at Atletico, right? 
No, because I mean, like he has to fight for his spot. I think right. Juan Fran has the yeah the, the edge. main position. Yeah, he's yeah. like the main the, the player for that position. So he hasn't been able to compete that much either because I think that injury has been kind of there, but they didn't know exactly what happened until recently. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I seeing his ribs, something wrong with his ribs. Or I, so. I, you know, my conclusion yeah, for my conclusion from watching those the the Colombia Argentina is like, whoa, watch out. Because what I was thinking was obviously Colombia. We knew, no, I knew. I think everyone does. It's a world class team. Um, but I was like, oh, now that they don't have Peckerman, maybe you know it will be a little easier to beat them. Um, and you know what I saw was even though Peckerman is gone, there is still planning. Um, you know, a plan to move forward, right? Because you guys did exactly what Peru did, but but we do have a coach. Because um, we yeah. called a lot of the players that went to the World Cup but also some young players to try, to test them and, and try them and you know like build these uh, pieces uh, build more players right that could be called for future games which is exactly what you should do right you cannot co- expect a kid to be called <laughs> for to play against Argentina in Buenos Aires if you know he has never played there before I mean ho- hopefully you know you have time to work with him um, to so, so he's ready to play that game in the future. Um, yeah. so, so it was interesting to see that for Colombia. And for Argentina, it was the same to me, at least. I saw some players, like you said, Sebas, that I had never heard of before. Um, yeah. And I saw, I saw a team that performed pretty well. Yeah, they did really well. I think in, in Colombia, what helps is that Luis, the, the coach, Luis, Luis um, Arturo Reyes... He's uh, he. I think he's the coach for the like the younger leagues and stuff. So he kind of knows like the, those kind of like youth players and stuff. So yeah, he he has a broad knowledge of these of some of these players. So that helped. I I felt like com- I I think uh, he did a good job. I do, I don't think he should be the main coach, but but I mean he he did a good job. So we are still hoping to get something uh, a new coach. They're saying that maybe Martino is in the. Martinez probably gonna be one. They also were talking about the coach for Croatia, the one in Croatia right now. Really? But after that result <laughs> against Spain, I'm not sure if they're still thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I they, they definitely they want a, for, a foreigner. They don't want a local coach for the right. national team. Yeah, I. You know, it's going to be an interesting qualifier and an interesting Copa America with what I saw at least yesterday and what I've been seeing this weekend. Um, So, uh, oh, I want to call out um, Barrios. I really liked him uh, on on the game, uh, in the game um, with Colombia. And Bustos for Argentina and even Tagliafico, I I thought did pretty well. The two uh, left and right and left back. Um, So... You know, again, it's yeah. going to be interesting to see what happens in the qualifier. Yeah, Wilmer Barrios is good. He plays in Boca Juniors. Mm-hmm. I don't know for how long because I don't know if you guys have heard about Argentina. The economy is against, again, is like in the trash. So many of the foreigners that are playing in Argentina are thinking about, about moving to another country because really? of the exchange rate. They are not able to stay in Argentina anymore. Right. Wow. So, you that, know, like that, all just those, in that. Justin, that happens for Argentina every, what, five to ten years? Yeah, uh, every ten years, their economy goes to the trash for some reason. Wow. Yeah. They, they, well, they, there are many reasons for it that I can't I can talk to you, but it will take us like a whole episode if I explain you the situation. Where but, do they, do they normally go to Europe or do they go to another South American country? Or? 
Yeah, normally they get they go to Brazil or to Mexico. You know, like they yeah. get they sell the players at some point because right. you know, like uh, most of the of the income of these teams, they they it comes from Argentina. So uh, and most of these contracts, because Argentina is so like that, so volatile, they normally sign these contracts in U.S. dollars. So it doesn't make a financial sense to have them anymore. Right. And and what what yeah. I was just saying, just to explain a little better, or a little, sorry, not better, um, to explain a little more, is that, you know, we're, re- we're referencing that Argentina's economy, like the country itself, is going to the trash, right. To, right. to garbage. No, right. Not a team, necessarily. Um, not a team. No, no, it's just the whole, just the whole economy. Right, the, the entire economy of the country, right, right. So it's like, so, so yeah, so, you know, that affects the exchange rate, and oh, of course, you know, no, no one is happy, yeah. yeah. So for our listeners who have U.S. dollars and wants <laughs> to eat really good food and watch a lot of tango and stuff, this is the time to go because you can't do magic with the U.S. dollars right now. I know a league that water. they could absolutely come in. They wouldn't have to exchange their money. They could just come <laughs> straight up to the United oh, States of think, America. Let me think. Oh, MLS again? MLS. <laughs> but, you know, my dad, like... 10 years ago, he went to Argentina once for a weekend just so my mom and dad, just so they can do shopping because the economy, you know, collapsed and everything was cheap. So they bought like leather jackets and a bunch of stuff because the economy had collapsed and they were really, really cheap. Wow. Um, so yeah, Latin yeah. America, my friend. <laughs> well, but Argentina is very peculiar because, you know, like uh, besides the economy, everything is kind of okay. <laughs> It's just yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Every but once in a while, co- goes every, under. Every once in a while. So, so so yeah. So so let's move on. Just say a little bit. So Edgar, what do you think about Peru? Oh man, we played against say. the Netherlands and Germany. Oof. Yeah, and, and tough contenders. I mean, but and we we lost two one both games, and both games we started winning, uh, one zero. <laughs> Uh, which you know the the game. So I'm not gonna you know go deep into both games because we don't we don't have the all all the time. And honestly, at this point, why? Um, but a few <laughs> a few a few conclusions that I was able to draw is we played against two world class teams and we looked good. To be completely frank, against the Netherlands, we looked way better. Um, I mean, we dominated them for a while. They they dominated us for a while. Then it was kind of in the middle. And we lost at the end, but you know we could have. I, I think it could have gone either way, uh, and we made some changes at the end um, and to try, you know, younger players um, that made a difference. But you know we were playing in Amsterdam too, so it's not like you know we were playing away. Even though I have to say that it did sound like we were playing at home, because you know because of past crisis, uh, Justin. <laughs> There's a lot of Peruvians living in 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 Europe or in other countries, mm. so so you know like. Um, there were a lot of Peruvian people in the stadium. Um, so anyway, um, it was a good game uh, against the Netherlands, lost 2-1. The Netherlands uh, switched Schneider out in minute 60 and put a couple, put one young player as well, I, I forget his name right now, uh, and, and um, him and the Pie did a lot of damage uh, to Peru, and we lost concentration in the back, Um and that's how we lost. Um, what I didn't if I like. Yeah, I'm mistaken. I think I think I, this is the last game of Schneider in the national. Yes. Team. Yeah, yeah, that was his like uh, goodbye game. 
yeah. against Peru. And he was losing when he said goodbye, so, you know, he should remember that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so anyway, I mean, I, you know, we, we played well. I mean, we are not a world-class team. We don't have a million players to choose from. Uh, so, you know, g- given that, I was very satisfied with how we played um, against the Netherlands. Against Germany, holy crap, Germany was a machine. <laughs> I mean, the first half could have easily ended 3-1. Uh, and it was shocking that we were winning because they were really dominating. I mean, they pressured really, really high. And we were losing the ball in like the first, you know, like one one fourth of the of the field, like a lot. So it was extremely dangerous, and uh, it was kind of lucky that they weren't winning at first. Uh, so when you know Peru had a quick break, passed the ball really quickly, really fast, brilliant assist from uh, Christian Cueva to to Luis Advincula, who ran like he was being chased by the police, and. And scored a beautiful goal uh, in the that honestly Ter Stegen should have done a little more about, and we were winning, beating Germany in Germany 1-0, uh, which was you know bliss for like the five minutes that it lasted. <laughs> wow. um, and then you know the so yeah, again I guess it's for me conclusions uh, I drew. We miss Paulo Guerrero so much because Germany was attacking us and there was no way for us to kick the ball like out of our side of the field and set, and give it to someone that could at least keep it. We would try to kick the ball out and it would land on a German and they would bring it back to us, you know? Um, so that, it, I mean, it was it was hard. It was, it was a really hard game against Germany. But, you know, that's that's been Paolo Guerrero's function for, you know, his whole life, right? You give him the ball, you know, because you're getting attacked from everywhere. You give him the ball, you just kick it out and he... He will hold it and get fouled, or, or you know, try to hold it for a little while until the the midfielders come forward and 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 pass pass the ball. Uh, so yeah, we we miss we miss him. We we don't have uh, like a big number nine that can replace him. And to me, that is the biggest red flag I I see with this team. That right now we can only play one one way and one way only, and that's like you know below. Uh, sorry, uh, you know, in the floor, um, just passing and trying to trying to get the ball out like that and, and if it doesn't work or we get cut off then we're screwed yeah but who is there to replace Guerrero in that case no one the the, the replacement like in terms of like as a forward is uh, Raul Ruiz the forward for the Seattle Sanders the Seattle Sanders uh, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, I mean he, he's an amazing player he's like you know extremely prolific goal scorer um, but he does not have the same um, characteristics that Paolo Guerrero has. Um, I mean, he keep getting destroyed. He's really short, so he keep getting destroyed by the by Hummels. No, no oh, Hummels. Uh, by Boateng and oh, Sule, yeah. I think was the other um, defender because they are like a foot taller than he is. <laughs> so I mean. So that that was a problem, you know. Like, and not every game is gonna be like that, right? Not every game we're gonna get attacked the way we did against Germany. I mean, it's Germany. Um, but when that used to happen, especially for example against Argentina, we would throw it to Guerrero and he would keep it because he was, you know, big enough and strong enough and skilled enough to get the ball down and and keep it uh, and wait for other players to show up. So that worries me a lot. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, Justin, really, really quick. What are the yep. next matches that are coming up this weekend? Because I don't think okay, we have much so, time left. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, so international breaks over, so we do have domestic leagues back in action. Uh, most uh, notably, the English Premier League. Again, there is a huge match this weekend between two top six teams, Tottenham and Liverpool, uh, at Wembley. So. That'll be early in the morning on Saturday, but uh, definitely one to obviously keep an eye on. Two teams vowing for the title. Tottenham come off a tough loss to Watford. Liverpool in fine form, of course. Um, five straight, I believe five straight victories for them. Winner obviously getting the three points if, uh, if they don't draw. Um, so that's one that I've definitely highlighted, circled, and hoping for a, a Tottenham win, but should be a great match. Two teams that play an offensive attacking style. Um, will be really interesting to see, you know, yeah. um, off the break, who wins that one. Most definitely in the league, we have uh, Real Madrid playing Atletico de Bilbao, which is going to be exciting, I think. And yeah. in Italy, nothing stands out. I think probably Juventus is playing Swazolo, so hopefully Ronaldo happen, like make it happen. Hopefully. Yeah, score a goal, <laughs> He dude. scores. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Besides just, that, I don't think there's anything like that. Just one more thing. real quick uh, English Premier League game. Watford, who is undefeated so far in the league, at home against Man United, who obviously is coming off a win but is still trying to figure themselves shaky. out. Yeah, shaky under the Jose Mourinho watch list. Uh, rumors of, rumors, rumors, rumors of him getting ousted and Zidane taking over. Man, um, Sebas has been saying that for um, two months yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, wasn't... To get louder. It's gonna happen, yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna sign it on a stone right now, a marble. Because <laughs> he, he's unemployed, right? To see that. Yeah, he, yeah he's, he's not managing any he's teams. Free, yeah. There is a rumored list of players that Zidane wants to target and wants to get rid of. That Alexis is, is there. Alexis no, I'm, I'm kidding. There. No. Like, no. <laughs> Valencia yeah, is there, so. probably. We'll no, see. I like him. He's good. They I got like him they too, but I like Zidane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's going right. to be a good weekend. It's going to be a good weekend. Yeah. I'm excited. Definitely watching that Watford game and the Liverpool, of course. Yeah. Glad to see How about Sassuolo like Juventus, guys? Sounds super exciting. Yeah, I... Or, or Frosinone Sampdoria or stuff like that. That's, that's <laughs> super exciting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Napoli Florence should be a good game, actually, in Syria. That, that might be good. Yeah, maybe. Fiorentina against Napoli, I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably uh, there, the there's one a few. I'm, I think the uh, the the Italian league. I just I'm kind of waiting to see which teams emerge as the the big competition to Juventus, and I, I'm not sure if anybody has yet. All right, well, thank you, everybody. I think this is our show for today. Thank you very much for listening and for following us on Facebook and Instagram and all the so, all the sources that we have for this podcast. Please keep liking us, following us, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much.